You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well, hey there, everybody. It's me, Joe Thrash and Kill, and you're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell radio show. Got a full house today, joined uh, on my left-hand side by the good and golden boy, the internet sweetheart, you know him, you love him, 365 days of horror, as we like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I am good. How are you, Joe? I'm doing well, because we got Breno in the house. Breno, how are you doing? That's me and Jordan, just... Two nuts. All right. Hanging out. Normally, we fuck around for like a good 55 minutes before we get into the show, but we Hour don't have... 24. <laughs> we don't have time today. We, we, got, we got a tight schedule. Why is that, Jordan? It's because we have an interview teched onto the show. The fellas from Ahab have joined us to promote their new album, and uh, our good friend Dylan from Green Hell and from the Diary of Doom podcast, is kind enough to talk to the fellas and talk about their new album. They get into talking about how they played a record release show at a church. They talk about an album concept that they had prior to doing this one that kind of never came to fruition, which is kind of interesting to hear about. They talk about getting Greg Chandler of Esoteric to guest on one of their songs. Mm and how their music even guided one of their fans through a battle against cancer. So it's a, a lot of cool stuff to hear about from a band that uh, is like really heavy but still melodic. And, and what I like about Ahab's brand of doom beyond like being about the murky depths and uh, just being extremely harsh is that they do a smart thing that not a lot of doom bands do, and it's they go away for a while. They, <laughs> They put out their album, they tour, they play some shows a little bit, and then they disappear for like three or four years, and then they like recharge their batteries, and they've gone away long enough where people are like, oh, yes, Ahab, I want to listen to this. Yes, this is worth it. It's not the same riff, and it's not endless touring and endless putting out EPs and albums and stuff like that. So uh, the album came out just recently through Napalm Records, and uh, a lot of people are really into it. I've listened to a few songs, and it's pretty good. They don't play every burger bar, you know, every every uh, dive bar, every ice cream stand. In yeah, your you're area. not going to get you're not going to get Ahab saying, what the fuck is up, Red Lobster? Yeah, they're not breaking their backs to move that oh so heavy pool table out of the way so they can perform. Uh, I haven't heard this record yet, uh, but I've heard a lot of good talk. I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, folks, if you uh, are interested, I am going to include the timestamp where you can skip ahead and listen to that interview in the show description. For the rest of you, boy, do we have a lot to talk about in a short amount of time. Um, it's it's tough to even figure out where to start here. Uh, again, I'm going to lean on you, Jordan. Where, where do you think we ought to start? I mean, people seem to be really into our deep dive into a faded former vocalist of Rainbow and Deep Purple going off the deep end and being real pro-Russia about things, and that continued this week. So a little inside baseball for everybody. Uh, As we were recording last week's episode talking about this Joe Lynn Turner character, 
Uh, every instinct inside of my brain was like, please just move to another segment. Nobody wants to hear about this. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel. You're going to lose all of your listeners. Uh, and it's uh, good to know that all of my instincts are wrong again. <laughs> So we have more from Joe Lynn this week. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to put this all on ourselves. Uh, Blabbermouth uh, deserves the uh, you know the 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 bulk of the credit here, but um, <clears throat> as he, they always do. Yes, of course. Uh, but he's he's mad at unnamed outlets, and I'd like to think that we're included there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've ach- we've achieved unnamed or unspecified media outlets. We certainly we've have earned that right. Uh, most of the time, uh, when when it's somebody complaining about uh, you know our site, uh, it's somebody like in uh, a black metal band that struggles to get I don't know like ten Bandcamp sales. So it's kind of nice that like uh, this one has a little bit more, somewhat more juice, I guess, maybe more juice back about forty years ago. But doesn't you know that's neither here nor there. Uh, so what what's going on with old Joe Lynn Turner? So Joe Lynn Turner did an interview with the Real Music Observer. Not not the fake music observer that we Except all know. No substitutes. In which, observer. in which he kind of uh, went off on unspecified media outlets, criticizing him from the comments we read last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there was a lot there. Uh, I feel like maybe if you saw uh, some of the commentary uh, about his commentary, he wanted to clarify a little bit. Maybe not stick his dick so deep in it, you know, try to do some damage control. Uh, is that what happened? Well, he sort it was like a foul tip that ends up in the catcher's glove and it counts <laughs> as an out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, that's kind of what this is. Um, so, this- he says, You know how many things I've been crucified like this and I will... And I still will be by all of these yellow rags that I call them, the ones who like to stir the poop and all this. I'm always it's stirring terrible. that poop. Yeah, turning the a shit. big old spoon. <laughs> and I, I just have to laugh because I go, look, I feel sad for them because if this is clickbait or if this is how they get an audience or if this is, or if they have a satisfaction of putting someone else down to make themselves feel better – whether it's a common or whatever, that's very sad. They have very small lives. That's all I can say. And I'm just going to jump in here. That's not all he can say because he continues for quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) Additional hour of comments. All I'm trying to do here is establish something that I'm trying to deliver a message, a little butt of knowledge. I I assume it's supposed to be bit. A little butt of knowledge that I know I have. And if you're going to fact check me, do you know what the fact checkers are? There's no degree in fact-checking. And another thing, conspiracy. Do you know what the difference between conspiracy and the truth is? About six months. So I will be vindicated. Hmm. Hmm. I like the idea that uh, he's been reading uh, <laughs> He's been reading Fidel uh, Castro's biography, and he's like, history will vindicate me, Joe Lynn Turner. <laughs> I, I, when I first read this, I, w- I was wondering if he meant that conspiracies are usually disproven in that short, short amount of time. Um, not totally proven. I mean, did, did we ever confirm loose change? It's been 22 years now. Um, <clears throat> did you ever watch loose change? Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Like, I don't think that one's been proven. But if, like, for example, I people like me who believe that the CIA killed JFK uh, in the '60s, uh, 
Well, it's it's taken some 60 years for that to like still maybe come out a little bit. So, you know, it could go longer than six months, Joe Turner. Yeah. But I mean, like, well, well, when did Jack Ruby shoot Lee Harvey Oswald? Was that six months later? Uh, it was like a week later, dude. Maybe maybe a couple of days. Yeah. So, I mean, that was confirmed. You know, you can't just you can't just kill the guy before he you know testifies without there being some kind of major conspiracy there. So, if there is some truth to something, it should really take only that long, a couple days. Yeah, maybe. a couple days max. Yeah, six months. Eh. I mean, I feel like if people have a really insane theory, they're not going to really be into it that long. Uh, maybe, but maybe there's something else behind this because uh, it seems like. All of this, uh, the 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 insane uh, boomer shit that uh, Joe and Turner is, is spouting, uh, is 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 for a purpose, isn't that right, Jordan? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the purpose is that he is almost certainly a Russian asset at this point, because even the slightest bit of digging between the three of us found that he is married to a what Belarusian lawyer. He has like lived in Minsk for a long time. He played shows in Crimea. <laughs> like all of these things are adding up. So and, I, uh, I, 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 before before you get into that, I want to go ahead and offer like I am not uh, somebody who's uh, super into like uh, GRU assets are all over or whatever. I think that that's kind of uh, a second red scare thing that's been very overblown. However. <laughs> When you get into another thing that you found this week, I'm like, maybe there's something to that. <laughs> the weirdest fucking thing I've seen in months. A a like two-minute video of Joe Lynn Turner uh, with his wig still on, uh, reading a weepy poem about his mother. With moms with, like, no, in no, ta- tape <laughs> behind him in the background. <laughs> With, like, no context and just checking out the IMDP page for this, because uh, amazingly there is one, 95% of the people involved in this are Russian. There's another quote that you found this week, if you'll, uh, if you'll permit, permit me to share it from uh, Joe Interno here. <clears throat> I've been wearing a Russian Federation ring for many years because I know the truth lives here. And I believe right now, this time Russia is going to be the great power that it already has been, and that good always overcomes evil, Jolyn Turner told reporters in Simferopol, the capital of Crimea. The fuck? Is it like a weeaboo for Russia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Joe Lynn Turner, um, that doesn't sound like a very Slavic surname to me. Well, he Linovich. last week we, we went all, he went all in on uh, how uh, he's... Uh, uh, Italian, but the good kind of Italian, the kind associated with the mafia. <laughs> oh, or the fascists. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe Russia makes the best wigs. Uh, this is just so very odd. Uh, fortunately, he continued on uh, with a whole bunch of uh, horseshit this week. Um, what, what I think a part of this is that, you know, he's uh, he's he's putting on a little bit of performance to... Uh, sell his upcoming record that literally nobody's ever going to listen to. Um, so he's saying that, like, you know, he's making these brave statements uh, in his music uh, to to get people to wake up, to rise against the machine and overturn uh, all of this. Uh, do you think that will happen when his album comes out? 
the truth will come to light. His hair is in fact real. So um, he's saying here that, uh, yes, the album is entertaining. Yes, it's rocking your ass off. Yes, it's great music and all that. But there is a message here that I want you to listen to. The whole thing, the spiritual war, the physical war for everything that's going on here with humanity right now. They are coming after our soul without specifying who they are, <laughs> Joe explained. They're wink, com- wink. They're coming after our freedom. The first thing you lose with freedom is freedom of speech, and nobody can fact-check me on that. We have lost the freedom of speech globally. And don't get me started on the World Economic Forum, and don't get me started on Davos and all those hypocrites, he added. <laughs> Go ahead, get started. I mean, like, I've got plenty of complaints here as well. Um... Let's see. When uh, someone pointed out the mainstream media has repeatedly dismissed conspiracy theories, theories about the Davos event regarding sinister schemes the globalists are supposedly plotting at the World Economic Forum's meeting, Joe Turner fired my back, conspiracy my butt. It's not a conspiracy. How come they all come true? How come everything happens? All this tinfoil hat wears, all of a sudden it comes true. You wait six months, it comes true. You wait eight months, it comes true. Well, how come they don't recognize that? Why don't they say, well, at least you guys were right. (laughs) It's an information war. It's a propaganda war. What's the old saying? The first casualty of war is truth. That's the first casualty of war. And you can go fact check that. Anybody, okay? That's the truth. Truth is the first casualty. Well, I mean, have you seen the videos of like random people from, I don't know, North Carolina doing kind of a half-assed shimmy on the couch that was caused by taking COVID vaccines, Joe? They, they, all, they all got stanky legitis. <laughs> <laughs> they drank three or four uh, five-hour energy drinks and they got the shimmies and the shakes. And it's proof, even though the video is two or three years old. That uh, the COVID vaccines are full of no good stuff. So I'm They're glad. They're infected with whips and nays. I'm glad. <laughs> They're just hitting the gritty in bed. <laughs> I help. I can't stop crumping. Thanks, Pfizer. Uh, I'm glad you guys mentioned that because, like, ten paragraphs down, Joe Lynn Turner starts going off about the vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that he's able to do all this with freedom of speech being taken away. I know. Um, I am so glad that this guy exists. Uh, if I think it's important that we have has-beens or never-wers, like, here it's speaking the truth for all of us, all of us uh, weekend warriors, you know? Um, you, we've discussed this. He's officially one of our guys now. Oh, we've he's... Had, uh, <laughs> we have a, num- we have a number a of people. We have a number of people that we always kind of bring up on this show. Just, hey, this is what this person's doing again. Congratulations, Joe Lynn Turner. You're one of those people. You might even get your own Kotak Attack theme song if you keep oh, this up. We need, we need a song for Joe Lynn Turner. We need a Joe Lynn is bald. Joe Lynn is bald. Joe Lynn is bald. Bald, folks. Bald, 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 bald. Children is bald. Children is bald. Children is bald. Always a, a prestigious honor for anybody to be included in the new Total of Hell Whack Pack. But uh, <laughs> Joe Lynn Turner, um, 
Actually, latest and greatest, uh, you know, addition. Actually, so I'm happy got, to have him. I got an idea for a song about him. I might handle this one. Um, okay. <clears throat> did you guys ever listen to the uh, anal cunt EP, Howard Wolkin is Bald? How the fuck did you read my mind <laughs> on that? I was just about to be like, should I mention anal cunt on today's show? Nah. Howard Wilkins. <laughs> I knew this bald guy named Howard bald. Wilkins. He was very bald. <laughs> uh, Dylan yeah. Turner is, in fact, bald to the bone. We are... <laughs> All right, I, you and I are going to collaborate on this one. It'll be a, it'll be a, a feast for the senses. <laughs> I mean, um, it's just going to go. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I don't want to spend again. We don't have a ton of time on this week's show. I don't want to monopolize it with Joe Lynn Turner uh, when there's other very important things we need to discuss. Jordan, you shared this with me this morning. It's uh, it's bad. Let's let's talk about it. Well, it's two kinds of bad. Uh, we have the Lucid, who people may remember is the new side-ish. I don't know. He has like three or four bands that he's doing all at the same time because uh, he also has his like, Kings of Thrash project. It's Dave Ellison, who you may remember got kicked out of Megadeth for yanking his crank on Skype. I mean, I'm doing it right now. So Yeah, yeah but like you're yeah, not on video. Here. Yeah, no. You don't know. You won't get fired from the New York Times or CNN if you do this. It's fine. I mean, that guy didn't uh, get so fired either. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he has this band, The Lucid. It's whatever. It's featuring like former members of Sponge and I think someone from Fear Factory. Who the there. fuck is Sponge? <laughs> <laughs> we go over Four this members. every time I mention Sponge. <laughs> um. No, we, we don't have to get we don't have time. We don't have to, time to answer the question yeah. who the fuck is Sponge today. Listen to them if you want. They sound like a a, a less than, you know, normal anthrax. So, <laughs> I don't know. Enjoy. Yeah, it's <laughs> mediocre thrash in all of its forms, but they put out new music a couple of weeks ago and a new song this week featuring a very special guest vocal performance by none other than Violent J of Insane Clown Posse. Now that is um, <clears throat> an odd choice for a number of reasons. Uh, you don't typically expect, uh, you know, Violent J of ICP, uh, noted uh, horrorcore rap crew, uh, to do a rock and roll song. Uh, number two is, according to what I've learned from avid juggalos, is that Violent J has been having a very, very bad year. Uh, oh. So it's uh, his longtime girlfriend OD'd. Uh, it's suspected that he has relapsed and has been in and out of rehabs and has not really been able to get anything together. So this is the first content that uh, you know rabid juggalos have gotten from him in quite a while, uh, and it this it's odd. Let's let's start there. <laughs> let's start with that. A little silly. Yeah, I, I when I saw that. I was like, I, I figured Violent J was like, he made too much money to do this. I, I feel like there's a certain point when you just, your, your net worth goes up a, a certain digit and, and you can't be doing stuff with like former Megadeth bassists who fuck around with 19 year old girls, you know, like there just has to be a, a line there. So uh, this is also what I learned from uh, the Juggalos is that uh, he did this because he, uh, he's a big rock and roller. Uh, he, he's been wanting to get involved with a rock project for a while. 
Uh, folks that remember, uh, I think 1999 will remember Zug Island for their cover of Cry Little Sister. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was... I mean, I'm glad he got he picked this one, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's enough uh, psychopathic records lore for the day. Let's let's continue here. This is a step down for Violent J. I agree with you. Um, so I listened to. I thought you sent one track. I listened to the first track, which was kind of a straightforward hard rocking number that i gotta say i was not particularly feeling um and that, it's very much a song that you would hear at sturgis i i agree with that it's uh all all hard rocking very little substance um so the the name of this trick uh, track is uh let's see what do we got here this is uh what the fuck is this uh ride something ride where did it go? Saddle, ride. Saddle up and ride. Saddle. Yeah. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of that. listen to much there it's not a whole lot going on here now let's talk about this other track here uh this one is the one that you shared with me this morning which boy it's got me feeling a certain way uh what is it so of the track uh there's a quote here from violent j of the single i don't know if this is going to be like a full ep of them working together or just these two songs but of the song violent j says man quit playing it's been an absolute honor and privilege working with the Lucid. Being included, oh jeez, <laughs> I'm reading this on Metal Injection and it decided to just give me a bunch of ads and push the article up and love when that put happens. things in front of what I'm reading. It's, it's it's good stuff. Thanks, guys. It's been an absolute honor and privilege working with the Lucid. Being included among such monster talented and unbelievably cool people has been easily one of the highlights of my career so far. That's the absolute truth. Listen to it. Who the fuck can deny the beastly results? We King Kongdom. King Kongdom, huh. Well, let's go ahead and listen to literally 10 seconds of the beginning of Sweet Tooth here and let's see what people think. Is this it? Sure. <laughs> Do you guys, um, it, it reminded me of uh, when Ice-T put out like his own version of Institutionalized, where he's yeah. just mad because he's trying to play Xbox and drink Kool-Aid and his wife won't let him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of the same thing here, right? It's, it's <clears throat> not your song, but, you know, your shitty lyrics all over it. Yeah, this track really should not exist i think that's that's where where i'm staying on this one can we talk about this cover art for a little bit no this is ai yeah gener- this is ai generated for sure right yeah uh what do you think the uh, parameters are we got um juggalo panda with gold teeth yeah it's like a furry juggalo panda furry juggalo panda and then it was this is what mid journey spits out and it's kind of like mm, maybe you should try again they're like no we got to get this out right now <laughs> <laughs> We don't have Furry money for anything better. Panda. 
Furry Juggalo Panda Twisted Metal. Yeah, yeah, there's some because it's Sweet Tooth. You're right. You're absolutely, and they oh. definitely put they definitely put that in the uh, search parameters. You're right. Uh, boy, you you think just like a Juggalo. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Uh, well, what do you, what do you think? Is uh, should uh, Dave Ellison uh, put all of his eggs into this basket? Uh, quit doing uh, all of his uh, Megadeth cover projects? Probably, yeah. I think this is probably his best shot. That that should put things into perspective for you. This is David Ellison's best shot, right here. Tough to disagree with you on that one, Dave. Uh, much clown love. Uh, what, what do you think, Jordan? About the track or about Dave Ellison doing this or just life in general or what? You go off. You go off, King. Uh, like I said, I think this is a step down for Violent J. Uh, if he wanted to do the rock route, there are a whole bunch of other bands that he probably could have hooked up with that didn't have either the baggage that Dave Ellison has still or just the side project stink that this has on it that it'll never really be anything more than something that'll occasionally put out music and just do some shows yeah absolutely there's i think there's a lot of big active bands that would have been more than happy to feature violent j on a track especially younger bands and i would even yeah. say like younger deathcore bands that oh, for are sure. probably more interested in like hip-hop or more accepting of what icp is because they were too young to kind of goof on them when they first came out Right, um, like the kind of bands that are so big they make seven thousand dollars in their entire career. Those kind of guys. Right. Yeah. I feel like um, like an Amur uh, ICP crossover makes sense. Like I think that mm-hmm. would be something that would be good for both fan bases. Uh, but maybe it's just like Violent J does not like that music. That's possible. I mean, this. Yeah, I would say this has Attila written all over it. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, for a way, sure. a way for the for Franz to get himself back in headlines, doing something stupid like this seems. This seems more up his alley. I could also see Violent J not wanting to work with him and being fed up with him very quickly. I agree. With that I can see well. that with anyone who works with Franz. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is probably what happened to the what is it? The big two now. Um, yeah, so we lost, uh, who is the other, who's the other one that we lost this week? Fit for an autopsy guy. Oh yeah. Uh, That's like everybody. It's everyone now. No Franz, no fit for an autopsy, no big six, no music, no core, no friends, no fun, no mosh. That's the saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Violent Jake just really likes Megadeth and he's like, well, probably, probably can't work with, uh, you know. Uh, Big Dave because he's you know notoriously hard to work with, but the other guy this might work out okay. <laughs> is this the Big Dave? Is this the one? Which big, which Dave is Big Dave? I think we need to clarify uh, we, that. Must we've Dave. seen the video. We've seen the video of Dave Ellison, so we know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Very Big Dave. Um, well, I, I think this is uh, something to keep uh, keep an eye out for. Um, I. I hope that they they create more original music rather than this. This seems like it's asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many ways can you get sued with this Sweet Tooth thing? It's like the, the, the makers of Twisted Metal, um, the guys from Faith No More, 
uh, probably every artist that could have been involved in the mishmash of this AI AI generated monstrosity. Um, there's money to be made here, you know. There's gold in these hill, hills, you know. So somewhere someone there's... needs to someone needs to show this song to Mike Patton and film him as he listens to it. Oh man, I've never watched one of those YouTube react first time listening to the Beatles or whatever. I don't I don't give a shit. Uh, but I would. I would uh, subscribe to uh, somebody's uh, YouTube channel if they got Mike Patton and got his reaction to hearing this for the first time. Let's I see. think he's already heard it. You think so? Yeah. They probably had to get his permission. I mean, I don't know. If, I, I don't know how much stake he has in any given riff and faith no more. I don't know how that legal sort of mumbo-jumbo works, but what um, what I do know is that it would have been better if Violent J got on board with Faith No More than the Lucid. They should have just done that collab. I I agree with you on that one. I think that would have been the, the best move there. Uh, Jordan, what else do we need to talk about this week? Uh, it's up to you guys how much time we have left. Uh, well, we are at uh, 28 minutes. Well, so got to well, keep it tight. We brought in, uh, we brought up Attila, right? We right. were talking about Attila very briefly. Right. Um, uh, Attila, you guys know who Sworn In is, right? Um, this is the State of the Scene podcast, so you know all about Sworn In. <laughs> One day those guys are going to get mad at you for saying that. <laughs> no, they're not. I don't know what it is. I don't know. And this is going to go into what we're going to talk about for two minutes, but... I don't know how deathcore is as popular as it is. I don't know how any given one of these borky bork fucking pig squeal singy dumb shit fucking slam boys has like nine million followers. Any given shit band they come up with uh, it's it makes because, no fucking sense to me. Well, it's because their audience is entirely people in smaller deathcore bands. <laughs> I will Which say Sworn In is a, a metalcore band, not a deathcore band. Not that it makes much of a difference. They're like eighth generation metalcore. Are they? I think I just I saw the pink beanie in this photo and I was like, yeah, it's got to be some slams here. So um, Tyler Denon, who I believe is the guitarist uh, from from this band Sworn In. Um, is he the vocalist? See, I don't care. All, all I'm saying is that he made some tweets and he said, uh, you know, he's talking about the fact that his band made millions of dollars over the course of their entire career, 2012 to 2018. Which I could see is possible because you'd be surprised if you added up how much money you spend on DoorDash <laughs> after a couple years. So like it makes sense that this, there's millions of dollars passing here. So um, Sworn In Band LLC has grossed well over $2 million in its lifetime. And we as members, performers, and songwriters saw maybe $7,000 each total. Total from 2012 to 2018. Six years, seven grand. You think that's a livable wage, Jordan? Well, you did say DoorDash and Grubhub are expensive, so probably not. But probably uh, not. I, I would also assume that a lot of these guys still live at home or couch surf when they're not on tour, doing whatever it is they do. So yeah, we we talk a lot about the professional girlfriend in the deathcore conversation. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> there has to be some tattooed honey carrying your ass. If you're in any one of these given bands and, you know, they're out there. Um, there's there's uh, nice young ladies with 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 big, big boy jobs out there um, that you can depend on to make your Subaru WRX payments for you. If you want to be a deathcore vocalist. 
So continuing on, I mean, I don't care. Continuing on, uh, Levi Benton from another band, I don't care which one, says, uh, yo, did a whole summer festival tour with Avenged Sevenfold. Um, did he? I don't know. And uh, he Miss came May home I. with, dude, he came home with 400 bucks. Dude, the guy from Miss May I came home from, <laughs> he made $400 on a whole summer tour with, wow. Well, he stopped it's... off at a casino and put it all on red. <laughs> um, I, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. I, I don't know how any of this works. I I'd like to take a close look at the P&L sheets for all of these bands, but I assume that things like having a huge-ass crew transporting all of your shit and setting it up from venue to venue takes up a big bite of that. Things that you probably could have done on your own and saved a ton of money. Um, but again, I, I can't see their finances. I'm just making assumptions here uh, that these guys probably were not that bright with it. Right. It's the same with uh, like a label fronting money for a band to record in a studio their album and they pony up $100,000 and then bands are like, well, we didn't make any money even though it sold well. It's because you know, the label gave you this money. I would assume it's something similar for booking these tours. It's either labels paying to get you on them or they're fronting the money for transportation and lodging and food and having a giant backdrop and Lots of big amps and a crew and techs and things like that. That's all going to eat up a lot of money, not to mention now, at least modern times, these venues are taking a bite out of merch sales. Yeah, everybody's everybody's taking a bite out of it. And unless you actually keep an eye on it yourself, like you have no idea who's getting fed. Uh, and at the end of the day, you're not. So I don't know. It, it, so, this, this is something that like I feel is incredibly preventable if you care. <laughs> Um, so not to bury the lead on this. I mean, there's, there's a couple big names that weigh in. Like you got Jason Richardson, who, um, is the only guy left in the world with that chin strap sort of facial hair, <laughs> number one. And, uh, number two, uh, he's doing very well for himself because he's just, uh, people who like guitar on the internet and YouTube just worship this guy and all of his gear. Um, which, which actually is extremely lucrative if you, if you know what hands to shake. Um, with that said, uh, our buddy Franz weighed in on this conversation. Oh boy, Chris Franzak, um, Franzilla on Twitter. Please follow. You're gonna you're gonna expand your horizons if you do. So um, he says, after the news I just found out, I can promise you that none of you have ever been financially fucked over more than I have. Fuck all these shady ass snakes in this stupid fucking music industry. And uh, some guy named I kind of like that as a brag. Like, yeah, <laughs> all these people, <laughs> all these people took me for an even bigger sucker than you guys. Look at me, I'm a big stupid fuck. <laughs> Sorry, nobody has been fooled twice more than this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> some rando named Banana Boy. I don't, I can't even imagine who this fucking guy is. But he says, "Oh yeah." Try ten thousand dollars in debt for a goddamn false eviction. What um, is this conversation? But it's just such a it was such a random out of nowhere comment. But Chris Ronzak replies anyway, and he's like, "That definitely sucks ass," and I'm sorry, which is nice, Franz. Thank you. But I'm not talking about ten thousand dollars. I'm talking about a million bucks plus. So does he does he expand on how he lost that money? No. Why would he? Yeah. No, but the the PRP reported on this, and they helpfully said that, or they reminded us that, uh, including his own record label, 
he acquired the catalog to eulogy recordings so that might explain uh, a little bit of the loose change falling out of his pocket loose change it comes full circle sure does. now it's true confirmed six months 23 years doesn't matter Everything gets confirmed. Third eye um, opened. No, another opened. another thing that I would like to uh, have everybody recall with Franz is that he had. Uh, I don't know if he still does it. I assume he does. Uh, but uh, when I was first familiar with him, uh, he had a bad habit of renting uh, like uh, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and shit to uh, gyrate around them in his music videos. Uh, and that's not uh, that's not a cheap thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I first heard of him, he was. A- he was just a random cool fat dude that uh, wanted to be a male model. And <laughs> That's right. He, made. He, w- he wanted to make it. Yeah. Those car dealerships don't take the cars back after they find all the grease stains he leaves on the seat. <laughs> yep. Uh, you lose <laughs> all him. the hepatitis C on the leather. <laughs> the ass prints on the fenders and yeah. bumpers. Yeah. You lose a million dollars quick that way. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it really just goes to show you, like, here's all these uh, death core guys guys and metalcore guys sorry who uh who generate so much money in the scene and who have so many fans dude if you want to do your bedroom project anybody listening if you want to do your bedroom project if you want to play dive bars fucking basement shows go ahead it doesn't matter like don't don't worry about greasing any palms on the way there just just don't it's not gonna be an investment for you it's not it's it's a sunk cost everywhere you go so just have fun. Fuck it, right? If you want to make money, start a cover band. Yeah, that's it. If you want to, if you want to make money, don't even touch a guitar. Just there you like, go. Sell guitars. Real estate. <laughs> flip, flip houses. I don't know. No, don't do that. That's don't do that. That's put bad. the put the vinyl uh, wooden <laughs> black. What is that? Gray wood. Yeah, the gray on, wood on everything. Just cover the fucking walls and ceiling with it. I guarantee you, you'll make a four hundred thousand dollar investment on the fifty thousand dollar house you bought. Don't do that. Um, but maybe we should uh, just leave this be for now and uh, get into this Ahab interview. I think that would be great. Um, so you know, uh, I, I want y'all to to keep it metal. We will see you next week. And uh, I'll step back and let you guys enjoy the Ahab interview. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Get more episodes. Give us more money. We'll do more episodes. Uh, there's also uh, this month's very special playlist made by Jordan himself uh, instead of Joe. Uh, so there you go. Give us money. Give us money. Give us money. Bye. And so you I'll literally just got back? <laughs> yeah, n- not really. I'm, I'm back for uh, 45 minutes, but I just uh, unpacked the last parts of my... Uh, car and got my guitar up here and now i'm with you <laughs> wow just break like, from the road stop <laughs> yeah you're not you're not the only one you're not the first one um yeah. i uh i i did an interview with john from conan and he was like i just got off the plane i have to call you back in two hours <laughs> <laughs> this is uh my first my first, uh, for anybody who's not familiar with me, uh, my name's Dylan Gonzalez. I uh, used to do the Diary of Doom podcast on its own. Um, just kind of put that to rest for a while at the beginning of the year. And now I'm uh, jumping in over here at Toilet of Hell doing some other things for them. And so uh, they gave me this opportunity uh, to interview this band. And uh, my earliest knowledge of Moby Dick was from uh, an animated film called Samson and Sally, which is a shockingly bleak and at times unsettling film that adapts like the key components of the Moby Dick lore. 
And then it wouldn't be until high school that Moby Dick would rear his great white head again. As I told my friend, I was going to do my sophomore English essay about the book. And he said, Dylan, you're fucking crazy. Do you know how long that book is? So uh, <laughs> needless to say, I did not read it. Uh, I wound up reading Frankenstein instead. Uh, and it wouldn't be until years later, listening to Mastodon's Leviathan, that I finally found a way to consume the legendarily long novel and in musical form to boot. Uh, and then somebody decided we needed a lot more albums like that. So today I'm very stoked that my first real contribution to Toilet of Hell is uh, speaking with Ahab, the nautical metal band from Germany, uh, specifically Chris, uh, who plays guitar in the band. Thanks for jumping right on, onto this interview after getting off the road. Uh, we were just saying before we got started that uh, you've only been home for about 45 minutes. Yeah, but it's okay. It's <laughs> nice um, to come back and have some talk about the new album i mean it's it's just out uh on uh, friday it's totally fine to have some more interviews than on a normal weekend uh real quick thank you to jordan for putting me in touch with john freeman over at freeman promotions and uh hooking this up and uh so i guess before we get into like the the meat and potatoes of the conversation how were, how has uh how were the uh, the shows? How were, how have uh, people been reacting to the uh, the new album? Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it's called The Coral Tombs, and it just came out this past Friday. Uh, it came out on Friday the 13th, right? Yes, on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> you an obituary. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it actually was, was only one show. Um, it was the, the release show we... Um, had the opportunity to play our first show in a church, which was amazing. I I never thought it would be so amazing, um, especially the lights in there. are just, I mean, it was o- almost a spiritual uh, thing to to stand there. And um, the lighting guys um, managed to put some lights outside the church that were pointed it was kind of spots that pointed to the mosaic um, windows and i was standing there with the crowd in my back playing uh the last chords of uh, the hunt and they put on this light and some meters above me suddenly jesus came with the with the red <laughs> light <laughs> whoa that's that was so amazing and um I mean the show the show was sold out and and the people just bought merch like like nuts we never ever sold more merch than on this show it, it was really and I'm, I'm speechless about this show it was so amazing really well i'm sure that people have been kind of clamoring for this for a little bit because it's been a few years since ahab has put out an album and uh you know i'm a fairly recent convert to the band's as I put it, oceanic assault on the ears. And uh, one thing that I really appreciate about the band is uh, how dynamic you are. And it sounds like mm. when you just played in this church, um, it sounds like that really like helped to amplify the effect. You know, I've thrown the term wide scale around a bit in regards to some bands who really take it to that level. And I think that fits the description, or I think that Ahab fits that description nicely you know, everything that you do feels fresh and unique without losing a sense of who or what Ahab is. So like, what do you think contributes to that? Like what helps kind of maintain the identity of who you are? Because 
metal is definitely a genre where gimmicks get thrown around a lot. People, I'm a, I'm going to be a death metal band that just sings about whatever, or I'm going to be, you know, this kind of brand of metal. And it's just gotten weirder and weirder and more like specific as the years have <laughs> gone. What do you think helps keep it, keep it fresh and, uh, and whatnot for you? I think it's, it's uh, of course, the music that, that keeps it fresh. If you do uh, the same thing over and over again, it, it won't stay fresh. Then again, of course, um, there are such bands and it's absolutely fine to do something like, for example, ACDC or um, yeah, some, some other bands that you know what, 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 what's going to be on the next album. Uh, um, and on the other hand, of course, we always have separate books. You have to change to to get the right vibe uh, for for the book. Of course, I mean, you you it would it would be strange if uh, the call of the Red Sea would sound the same as the choral tunes because it's just different books, of course. And third is I think it's just uh, some natural development from from almost every band. I mean. If if you're in it, it's not that uh, it, it doesn't feel like uh, it's that different because you grow with it. It's the same if if you meet your auntie when you were a little kid and she says, "Wow, you you've grown that big," and for yourself, it's just like, "Well, I, I was that big yesterday." Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> seem like things yeah. change that much to you know within your perspective. I know that feeling, and I, I assume part of it too is as you moved on you know, you wanted to like kind of take a little risk and go outside your boundaries. But there's plenty of spots on the Coral Tombs where you can hear those shades of early material, on yeah, there, most certainly. Yeah, 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 That that's true. And I mean, of course, if you if you take the, the beginning of the album with kind of a blast beat, a black metal um, intro, that was something we, we uh, were aware of being something new for us. But... Then again, we, we wanted to do that for some years because we're all fans of uh, disembowelment, for example, and they do that as well. So it, it doesn't feel that odd to us. Well, that was actually something that really struck me. And that's exactly what I wrote down in here when I was listening to it, because uh, the album starts off so intensely. Like previous Ahab records, I feel like they've had a bit of a, a slow build to the opening track. But then this one, like you said, black metal, blast beats, like right away. But then it kind of comfortably falls into what I think is like quintessentially Ahab. And the record too is at times like quite beautiful to listen to. And it's that really nice balance between like this heavy intensity and these quieter melodic moments that makes it so successful. Um, and it shockingly like zips right along for being over an hour long. Uh, I think personally speaking, Colossus of the Liquid Graves is probably my favorite track off of it. Definitely one of them. I mean, I like the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, Colossus is uh, for for me. It it uh, it almost has a kind of feeling of uh, some parts of Alice in Change, for for example. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, these chords were, which was um, done by Cherry Control, very well. And um, we love this band. Probably that's a bit coming in there. And um, of course, I mean, if you have a video like uh, the one for Colossus, it's, it's many people see the video and then like the song more because the video 
at least I think is amazing. They did a really great job on that video. Now, actually, I uh, I should have watched it before doing this interview, but I neglected to. Um, so for anybody that has it, and we can include a link to it in the uh, in the episode post. Um, what what was on in the video, and like what's uh, what make what do you think makes it so successful? For me, I, I always wanted to do a stop motion video. I love that with uh, real puppets and stuff like that. So there's no computer animation in there. It's real real stop motion. And they built uh, real puppets. And the story is um, about the, the fight with the, uh, the the giant squid in mm-hmm. the books. So, yeah. Oh, as, a, as in the giant squid from 20,000 Leagues Under yeah, the Sea? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Well, that sounds very cool. Personally speaking, uh, growing up, I was a big fan of all those stop motion uh, films and, and uh, you know, like, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, Jason the Argonauts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, besides like Moby Dick and and Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, do you guys pull from other like sort of nautical themed stories or other places? You know, I know the easy one to pick would be like H.P. Lovecraft. There's obviously a lot of underwater horror associated with that. You know, for me, I've also been like a big Godzilla fan and monster movies for my whole life. Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, it came from beneath the sea, giant octopus, kind of similar. I mean, for, for the album, obviously, we, we only had the influence, at least for, for, for the lyrics and for the music from taken from uh, the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, but of course, I mean, you, you always have in, influences throughout your life which you grow up with you you hear certain riffs and stuff like that and and that will always stick in your mind and um i'm a big fan of uh, science fiction for example and mm-hmm. that that's why i especially love uh 20, leaks under the sea because it has big parts of uh science fiction um and it was way ahead of the time it was written so that's i i yeah Probably science fiction is, is one of the one of my big favorites and my big influences. All this, you know, it's it's not like fantasy, which is just fantasy. It's um, it always has some part of reality in it. That's why I like science fiction so much. It always has that aspect of that real world aspect of it, where yeah. it's kind of trying to say something about something that's going on right now. Maybe in the future, it's to be illustrated a different way, or it's commentating on, I don't know, uh, political unrest or social yeah, yeah, unrest or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's never going to be any dragon flying around, but um, there's obviously uh, submarines going around, and in, in <laughs> you know, um, that that's what I like. And and of course, I mean, there's so much more about twenty thousand leagues under the sea than this. Um, science fiction aspect i mean uh, the uh, character of nemo for example is is very interesting because um although he's so in a way myth- misanthropic he used to be a philanthrope i i think um he 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 likes humanity but um he got fed up with uh, all this civilized so-called civilization for him and so um, that that was one very important aspect for me, picking that that particular book. 
it's been a number of years since I've read it, but I I had a couple different versions of it as a kid. I had like a small comic book I got from like a Wendy's, I think. And then I had this really nicely illustrated version of it as well. As a youth made it a little bit, I guess, easier to digest. But I, I agree. I mean, I think the Nemo character is pretty interesting. You know, he's he's fed up with society. His family's been murdered by some foreign nation and he can no longer trust, uh, you know, he loves the planet. And it's sort of like there's like a, a saying in a Kevin Smith movie, this job would be great if it weren't for the people where it's kind of like, yeah, this planet would be great if it weren't for the re- people kind of fucking up everything. Like, I just want to learn and appreciate these things. But everyone is it's kind of like a loose commentary, I guess, on like imperialism. Yeah, actually, my my favorite character is all also um, Professor Aronax. He's so into science and and he really craves to to see the underworld, everything he he wanted to study. But at the same time, he knows if he goes on that journey, he never can leave again. And mm-hmm. if he leaves, it means death. That's the the polarity of of this guy, and um, it's. Um, I mean, I, I'm a big um, science fan as well. I used to study uh, biologies for um, some years, and um, I'm I'm still yeah. I, I read many scientific stuff, and so so that that's my favorite character because he's so so curious for uh, life forms and. That's that's one of my favorite characters. I I like the dynamic too, like you said, where he in the in the name of science, like would it be in his best interest to just like stay aboard or does he have to leave? And he's kind of at risk, you know, one way or another, because he could reveal Nemo and the Nautilus to the world and that could lead the world down a dark path, or he could be killed by Nemo's hand. It's definitely a good um, examination of like, uh, you know, how far we are uh, willing to take it in the name of something that we believe in or love. Yeah. I mean, cool story. Like, I I think you you did a great job doing, you know, giving paying tribute to it, but also adapting it in a way that feels very, uh, very unique. You know, I, I can't think of another or there's a there are a lot of bands that have, you know, taken literary references and literary inspiration sort of done their own thing with it but this feels like it really kind of it really fits the mold well it's almost like you've provided a soundtrack to the novel which actually i had a question would you ever want to see your music used in a film because it is like perfectly cinematic oh yes of of course i mean that that was something i just talked uh i think last week with uh some uh journalists as well um it would be awesome. I mean, if if there's any um, producer or um, uh, someone who who has the power to ask us if we if we're gonna do a soundtrack for a film, that would be awesome. Of course, we would love to do that. But uh, it didn't happen yet, unfortunately. <laughs> Whenever they get around to doing that at the Mountains of Madness adaptation, they should yeah. uh, they should yeah. hit up Ahab. I think that would be pretty perfect for for that. Yeah, probably. In uh, you know, in regards to uh, the album, what was it like putting this record together? Given that it's the fifth entry in discography, did you face challenges doing so? Like, was it held up because of the pandemic? You know, undoubtedly, every band was affected by that. You know, across the planet. 
Well, I mean, not really. Kind of, yes. But um, we wanted to do that album for, I think, four years. But it never happened because um, in between um, the Bolsa that Glenn Carey came out, we had uh, one child within the band uh, members. Now we have uh, six childs. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened in in between, and um, we played uh, quite some shows live. And you have to rehearse for for the live shows, of course. And um, we didn't have that much time. That that's most of the story about uh, taking eight years. Um, mm-hmm. And on the other hand, um, we had some some other ideas, and uh, um, we went for them. It was more uh, a concept uh, about. Uh, the ships that took the slaves from Africa to um, America, but we didn't find the book for that. Um, Mm -hmm. I've I've read uh, one book, which just wasn't good. And the other book was more like a documentary and that would be boring. We put that aside and then we thought about what can we do? And then we, um, uh, reread uh, actually uh, twenty thousand leagues under the sea, and then we started to write music. I think it was three years from then to the final um, the final album. Uh, and then, notably, um, how did you go about getting Greg Chandler from Esoteric to make a guest appearance on the track "The Maelstrom"? Well, um, we've we've been on tour with the um, Esoteric. Um, I think eight years ago, 10 years ago, can't remember. And um, the guys are just, just friends of ours nowadays. And um, we thought about who, who's going to do the Maelstrom better than Greg. Because, um, I mean, if you know uh, Esoteric, he has these weird um, eff- effects on his voices and mm-hmm. it's really psychedelic and gurgling. And the, the, uh, this just uh, seemed perfect for for maelstrom vocal appearance and i just dropped him a, a mail and asked him and he of course he said of course it'd be an honor and um yeah so that that's how that happened and um he uh too has a studio a priori uh studios and um so he was able to record uh he re- recorded himself yeah and that was i think Two two days, three days, mm-hmm. and sent us over, and we didn't tell him anything but the lyrics. You just so, told him to go. Yeah, just just go. Um, of course, we told him what, what it's all about. It's just like the uh, Nemo is going down the maelstrom with the, the Nautilus, and um, he just did it perfect. Is that a song that you would only that you would only ever want to do? live with him or would you be do you think he would be able to pull it off without or do you think it needs that well corny our drama wants oh, to play oh, live. like we have a uh we have another uh guest joining us we do uh apparently let's see who we got we, here oh, it's, it's corny hello sir talking I, about i'm him. not here to interrupt you i was told i have to do the interview and we run a little late because my first interview of this night uh, yeah, was longer. Apparently, Christian is already in here. So, gentlemen, <laughs> have a nice evening. I'm going to the couch right now. 
Bye. <laughs> well, that was unexpected, but <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about uh, if if he's gonna uh, can can take over the interviews because I just arrived and but I uh, think he he missed my my messages. Anyways, um, so yes, Corny. The guy that just uh, told us that he wants to go to the couch. Um, <laughs> who wants to play that uh, that song live really hard because he really likes it. And um, I mean, it would be perfect to do it with Greg, of course. But uh, we're going to see if we take Greg's vocals and put it on a backing track or if uh, Daniel just going to take over the lyrics. Mm -hmm. and, I think it could work if we uh, if we take some vocal effects with us. It would be a live version, obviously, but I think mm -hmm. it would work with Daniel's voice too. So I'm not sure, you know, to the extent of which uh, you've toured, but something tells me it's uh, a bit less frequent than a band, say, like uh, Municipal Waste, <laughs> who's yeah. always on tour. Yeah. But in the times that you have toured and performed, uh, do you have any notable touring and show experiences, you know, whether positive or absolutely dreadful? I mean, the, the most positive thing that ever happened to us was uh, it was in a, on a festival in uh, the eastern part of Germany and um, girl approached me and Daniel and um, she was bald headed. We just thought, yes, uh, just another fan um, who, who wants to tell us that uh, she likes our music, um, which is totally fine. It's great as well. Um, we are, we're always uh, welcoming fans and talking to them. But that was something special because she told us that um, she um, just survived cancer uh, therapy, that Our music helped her through that time, and she told us that actually our music saved her life. Um, that she had uh, um, it, it gave her strength, and uh, so that 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 was um, really amazing and, and a very special moment. And, and I think I'll keep that memory mm -hmm. for, for the rest of my life. And there, there's many moments when when people. Um, send us messages uh, like these maybe mental illness or cancer or whatever or even when when they lost dear people many times they tell us that our quite depressing music helped them to overcome their depression and that's that's um that's the coolest thing uh, thing that that can happen to you on tour and um Well, on, on the other side, uh, I mean, of course, the typical funny stuff that happens on mm. tour all, all the time. Um, but I think that that's, that's the most important that happened to us. That's got some pretty incredible weight to it, you know? Yeah, that, that's, that's actually um, when you realize that you don't just do entertainment, but, but something that, that matters to some people at least and that makes it more precious absolutely and uh you know and it, it just goes to show that anything like that can strike a nerve with somebody in a certain way you know even if your music isn't about like anything that's direct that she's going through it's still incredible you know that 
there's something about it that just connects with that person going through that and it can help them ease through a really, really painful time in their life. Yeah, indeed. The good thing about uh, art for me is uh, maybe music or anything else um, that you you always can interpret it in the one or the other way. And most of the times it, it helps just the way you interpret it helps you. And um, that that's absolutely fine with me if people see something totally different in, in my lyrics or in our music um, than I do because it's it's art and every, everyone should take it on their own and have you toured the US yet no actually not but uh, we've been one time in uh, Calgary in Canada but never toured uh, the US the visa are so expensive and as we are all having family and we're having our regular work Uh, we just can't go on tour for two weeks or something like that. And for one-off show, it's it's just too expensive. I mean, the the promoter has to cover the flights. The promoter has uh, to cover the visa, and then you're like six thousand euros or more. No, and that's just we're we're not not yet been invited. I mean, we've been invited, but it never happened yet. Right. It's like logistically and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, e even before 2020, it was starting, it was getting like the whole visa thing just makes everything so dicey. You know, yeah. there have been plenty of uh, upsets at um, festivals where bands have to drop out due to visa issues. And then obviously international touring is a fucking probably a bit of a nightmare now. Yeah, indeed. I do hope that happens one day because I would love to see Ahab live as someone who hasn't seen, you know, band like Paradise Lost or Esoteric, like seeing yeah, you with yeah. them would be really cool. That's provided they can get here too. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool if like Mastodon did an anniversary tour of Leviathan, you could do like a, a double bill. That would be kind of <laughs> neat. That would um, be I would be very into that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there was if there's any bands that you, or, or festivals that you would like to perform with or perform at. You know, I I just hope that it happens one day. Otherwise, I'm going to yes. have to make a, a trek out to Europe. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to to play uh, St. Vitus Bar in New York for sure. Oh, please do! <laughs> I'm, I'm right here. That would be awesome. That that's one of my 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 biggest dreams. I still didn't fulfill yet, but. One day I'm going to do so with uh, Aya. Indeed. I hope. I, and I will be there when it happens. <laughs> Definitely. That would be very, very cool. Well, given uh, that we're very early in the year, um, did you have any uh, favorite albums from 2022? Um, is there anything that you're looking forward to this year? Oh, well, what was last year? It's, hmm. Well, I really loved. Um, What's the name again? From uh, Blood Incantation, this uh, synthesizer album. I really liked that. It was a bit like the German crowd rock band uh, Tangerine Dream. Mm -hmm. And I'm really into that. Um, but I think people didn't like it that, that, that much because it just wasn't death metal at all. But I really dig that one. That was uh, something I... It was surprising. And yeah, that, that, that was... One thing I really like. 
other than that, um, phew, that's a hard question. If you had if you had a list, what came out last year, I, I, I probably could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, just like off the top of my head, like in terms of the stuff that I mean, I like listen to a lot of a lot of different albums. But if we're talking like more doom specific, like the Conan's album from last year was great. Uh, Earthless isn't really doom, but I really like. I really enjoyed uh, their record too. Uh, let me see if I can find some. Uh, I think I think last year for me was a bit more a year of uh, uh, synthesizer music. Um, I really like uh, um, synthesizer music. Um, that there was one ah there was one band that that uh, struck me, which was uh, I think they're quite small still, but it's called Intestinal Hex. It's uh, some kind of death metal, some kind of obscure death metal. I think they're from Canada too. I really like that album or EP. Um, can't remember what what's the name of that, but I I had fun listening to them. I mean, if you like synthesizer music, sort of that electronic uh, approach to things, you know. I mean, I'm wearing the T-shirt right now, the Author and Punisher album, uh, Crueler or Cruller. I, I call it Cruller, kind of humorously was uh was fantastic i loved that album and uh just see what there was like another uh i mean i really and the another one that i was a huge fan of was uh the otolith's uh or otolith's debut uh folium limina that's just like beautiful heavy as fuck string sections long songs just really cool kind of like a Kind of like a different cinematic music experience, but for a different uh, environment, so to speak. Okay. Whereas uh, Ahab's got the oceans covered, they've kind of got the like uh, the forests and the plains covered. So you might enjoy that as well if you were looking for something else to listen to from last year. Yeah, sure. I don't have uh, I don't really have too much to, else to ask. Um, you know, I, I I made kind of a note here, like you know, I'm kind of thankful that you didn't just write five albums about. Moby Dick. Uh, I know it's uh, a long book with a lot of different topics and themes in it, but that might get a little bit redundant. Do you have anything else set up uh, for down the line? Do you have anything you know that's going to happen with this year? Are you just going to try to kind of coast along with the new album? you have any upcoming shows you want to let the world know about? Or if there's anything else that might be in the works, or you're just going to kind of take it day by day and you got to like you know, see when and where you have the time to produce more epic doom metal. Um, next year is our 20th anniversary, actually. And uh, we're thinking of some some anniversary festival or shows. We're not sure yet. We're just in the planning. Probably we're going to do that on a ship as well again. And um, we're just thinking of, of recording something totally different for that matter so um next year that the, there's not going to be a new album but uh, probably some some uh other kind of songs from us let's put it that way yeah and um i mean 2024 could be there there are some surprises the new album by ahab is out now it's called the coral tombs Everyone should go listen to it. I think it's the first great album of 2023. Chris, thanks for coming on and doing the interview with us. 
Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find your music and find more about Ahab if they want to? Yeah, sure. I mean, you, you can go to our uh, website, ahab-doom.com. Or you find us, of course, on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, so we're around and, um, yeah, drop us an, a mail, a message, whatever, and um, say hi. <laughs> and you can also uh, grab uh, their music on Bandcamp as well. Uh, physical merch, though, on your what can be found on your website. Yes, sure. Yeah. And, and uh, from, from Napalm Records, of course, too. Yes. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Uh, I think you're due for some uh, rest and relaxation now after the show. So we'll let you go do that. And I'm looking forward to spinning the album a couple more times this year, maybe more than a couple more times. Cool. Thanks for having me.
are listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.